Welcome to The Road to Tinue, a King Killer Chronicle fan podcast where we explore absolutely everything by Patrick Rothfuss. Spoiler warning, there are no spoiler warnings because we're not actually talking about the books this episode. Who's we? Me and Mandy from Caster Quest. Hi, Mandy. Hi, thanks for having me. My pleasure. And today we're talking about Rick and Body Dungeons and Dragons crossover comic. Yeah. I'm excited. Look at me. I'm a comic. I'm a comic, Morty. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I'm a comic. So, Mandy is the host of Caster Quest, which you may remember because I've recommended it a couple times on the show. Thank you for that. To start off the show, I like to ask my guests a couple questions. First off, how did you find the books? The Kingkiller Chronicle books, specifically. I came across the Kingkiller Chronicle books, I guess, about three-ish years ago. I had purchased the Rogues Anthology so I could read the George R. R. Martin short story in it. And I had read it, and I didn't really know any of the other people, honestly. I kind of just bought those anthologies so I could get the good, good Martin story. Um, (laughs) But... I found myself late one night, I was at the Renaissance Festival, and I wanted to read something before I went to sleep for the evening, so I went flipping uh, through the book, and I found The Lightning Tree. And I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. So I read it, I was immediately enthralled with it. I'm like, I have to find out more about this Bast character. (laughs) And... (laughs) So as soon as I got back into uh, town at the end of the weekend, I visited the library on Monday. I checked out The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss, and the rest, as they say, is history. How were the books for you coming from I Want More Best? It was kind of jarring because I expected the stories to be about Bast since the lightning tree had focused so much on Bast. And so... When the book started up and, you know, you get the, my name is close, you may have heard of me. And I'm like, that's great, but where's Bass, though? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It did win me over. I will admit to a little bit of a disappointment that the book wasn't about Bass. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to be psyched for the third one because then we'll finally get to see Bass in story and your dreams can come true. Yeah, I do love Bast. He is he is still one of my absolute favorite characters, but since then I have grown a great appreciation for a number of the different characters involved in the book. Not just Quoth, but like Ari and Elodin and Devi. They're among some of my most favorites. Have you read um, Slow Regard? I have. It, uh, it took me a little while just because it wasn't necessarily dense in prose but it required a lot of just introspection and thinking because of how he wrote it Mm -hmm. and so I compared it to like a really nice vintage wine you don't want to chug it all in one (laughs) go you want to take sips and you want to savor it and you want to contemplate the flavor of it and how Mm -hmm. it plays on your palate and so I did really enjoy the slow regard of silent things uh I had an easier time when I went back and I listened to it. It's narrated mm-hmm. by Patrick. And I feel like 
the story was beautiful, but probably my favorite part of it was Patrick's note at the end, mm-hmm. uh, which really touched me. I, I felt like that was a really special thing that he included in there. Yeah. What about Old Man Holly or how Old Man Holly came to be? Oh, how Old Holly came to be? I haven't actually read that. Most yeah. of us haven't. Yeah. I'm having a difficult time tracking down a legitimate source for it. And I'm vaguely aware of the outline of the story because I wouldn't be a very good podcast host about the King Killer Chronicles if I hadn't done my due diligence. But, you know, at least I get to savor the thought of one day I'll find it and I'll, I'll get the whole story, maybe. <laughs> I, I have faith that one day you shall or some. Oh, man. Hopefully someday there will be a release of like the collected stories of Temerant and it'll be included. Yes, in a beautiful, just leather-bound collection. Mm-hmm. So you said you listened to The Slow Regard. Have you listened to the other ones as well? I have. I vastly prefer the Nick Podell versions, which I know to some <laughs> people is going to be blasphemy, but I feel like he does a really good job incorporating all of the different character voices and also he sounds a little younger Mm -hmm. the other guy does a a fine job and i'm sure he works for other people's like auditory tastes but for me padel's the way to go and in fact we enjoyed it so much that we kind of base some of our character voices off of padel's uh wow yeah so he he was he was a big inspiration for a lot of the voices that we go into when we're reading or at least xavier's (laughs) (laughs) Xavier's voices counting reading and listening how many times do you think you've consumed the the works man that's a very difficult question it is I think in whole maybe five or six times but I have gone back and and done parts and of course through doing the book club it involves like reading a set of chapters over and over again and then you have a ha thought and then you go back and you you dig through the books and you find another chapter and then the next thing you know well I was just looking for this one thing but I accidentally sat here for six chapters (laughs) yeah um so you read the book and you were a fan of them what made you decide to go from being a fan to starting a podcast? That's a great question. Um, right around the first time I read The Name of the Wind and immediately, immediately read Wise Man's Fear after it, um, I was I was brand new to podcasting. I was up to, I think, seven episodes at the time. And my first six episodes were myself and my former co-host Aaron and we said well let's start a podcast and and we'll cover (laughs) Game of Thrones well Game of Thrones is already halfway through their season when we got into it so I had no idea what I was doing but I did know that some of my favorite podcasts that I listened to uh, because I was a big Game of Thrones fans was ones that did a book club version of a Game of Thrones and unfortunately by the time we got into it the Game of Thrones book club market was so saturated and that's not to say that if you have a Game of Thrones podcast idea that you can't go that route because every voice is different and everybody has different thoughts on it and that's fine but I wanted to 
do something that hadn't been covered before. And when I fell in love with these books, I introduced them to my friend Erin. I said, let's do this as a book club. I had no idea how long we would work on it because I didn't have a, a, a particular topic for the show. I was still kind of trying to find what it was that I wanted to talk about. But as time went by and, you know, we went through the book, I enjoyed it so much. I'm like, I want to do this. I want to do the King Killer Chronicles. And that's not to say that I haven't done other stuff because, you know, focusing on one topic for so long can be daunting. And so we've done TV shows and movies and fan fiction and stuff just to sort of break things up on occasion. But my heart always comes back to the King Killer Chronicles. <laughs> They're such a beautiful place to be. And I'm glad that, that you're a member of the community and that I've had a chance to, to work with you. And fans, if you didn't catch the notice, I was actually on an episode of Caster Quest. And you can listen to me be a part of that book club. And it's episode 100. So it's a very special episode and easy to find. Yeah, it's a super special episode, and she did a fantastic job, so you've got to go listen to her. So we're talking today about Patrick Rothfuss wrote a comic book on Rick and Morty and Dungeons and Dragons, and how did you find Rick and Morty? Uh, I found Rick and Morty just because I'm a lifelong fan of animation, and um, I, I admit I take a certain dark delight in the more adult television shows like South Park and Family Guy, uh, The Simpsons, things like that. And my TV's pretty much always on Cartoon Network or some variation thereof. And so Rick and Morty came on Adult Swim one night. And honestly, the first couple of episodes were a little hard to get through. And, but they yeah. were very heavy on kind of gross visual gags. And Rick had the propensity to slob, that constant slobber Ugh. trail down yeah. his mouth was very off-putting. Yeah. But at the same time, it picked up, it became a little bit more finesse, a little bit more nuanced. As time went by, they did less slobber and burping, <laughs> which which did a lot to improve my mood towards it. And it's... It's witty, and it's unexpected, and at times very dark. Uh, and unfortunately, and I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up, the Rick and Morty fan community doesn't have the best reputation. No. No. Uh, and, and sometimes it's difficult for me to say, hey, I'm, I really love Rick and Morty. Like, I think it's super clever and funny because I've actually had friends call me out on it like <laughs> like how can you like that show and I'm like I like what I like <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear about Rick and Morty because I lived in an East Asian bubble when it came out mm -hmm. and when I finally did hear about it I watched like somebody was just raving about it and they're like oh it's so funny you gotta watch it you gotta watch it and I knew it was by Dan Harmon and I like him I love community I love his other stuff and I watched the pilot and I was like no <laughs> mm -mm. Sorry. Mm -mm. So when you say the pilot, do you mean episode one or do you mean the pilot like that was unaired when it was called Doc and Marty? <laughs> I did not see Doc and Marty, although it definitely had that vibe mm -hmm. when I watched it. I watched whatever the first one on Netflix is because it was on Netflix when I finally watched the first one. It was on Netflix? It was in Japan. Lucky. <laughs> 
And yeah, I watched that and I was not amused. And then uh, Rothfuss tweeted about it. And he's like, you know, guys, the new Rick and Morty season's coming out and I'm excited for it. And I'm like, I, I really trust his opinion and everything he's recommended has been really good. Right. <sighs> I'll try again. And so I didn't try rewatching the first episode again. I went straight to episode two, and that was a lot better. Mm-hmm. It was the one with the dog. And I had a good time. I'm like, okay, I'll try episode three. Because usually when I'm trying a new show, I try and watch three episodes. Because mm-hmm. the first episode is never good enough. It's just that one was so bad. I just, mm-hmm. anyways. Yeah, so I watched the third one, which was Mr. Meeseeks, which just had me in fits, and I loved it. And uh, and since then, yeah, I watched it, and I finished the second season, and I didn't have to wait too long for season three, which, I don't know, might make me a full sign. Like, I didn't start watching season three until the Szechuan sauce stuff had died. Oh, no. Or, yeah. <laughs> that was a mess. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yes, so, it was. Out, out of all of the episodes, which one would you say is your favorite? It's hard to pick, right? It's real hard to pick. I, um... It's especially hard to... Uh, like, right now, I just want to say Mr. Meeseeks because I'm thinking about it and it's making me happy on the inside. Sure. Um, how about you? It, that's... God, that is a hard question. It is hard to pick. Um, I would say some of the ones that jump out at me most was I don't remember the name of the episode but the the one where Beth and Jerry go on the Titanic reenactment oh yeah <laughs> uh, because I, I appreciated all of the, the Titanic references and I think that one also if I'm mistaken coincided with when they throw the big party at yeah. the at the house and yeah. then the um, the the wedding episode uh, with between Birdman and Tang, oh yeah, was a very good episode. <laughs> um, great season finale. Like they just get better. I have to give them credit for that. Yeah. But the the very first episode of season three, because everybody spent so long going. A uh, spoiler alert: If you haven't watched Rick and Morty, by the way, um, how's Rick going to get out of the intergalactic prison? <laughs> and people were losing their minds and you know on on the subreddits and the forums and and they're coming up with these elaborate schemes (laughs) you know they they were saying um oh who's that guy mr mr poopy butthole oh yeah was going to like lead a raid or things like that and i'm like (laughs) first of all mr poopy butthole's in rehabilitation for his bullet wound (laughs) and he's not going to be leading raids on anything anytime soon (laughs) But that, too, was a great episode, the one with Mr. Poopy Butthole, because that one yeah, was a yeah. mind freak with with all of the different uh, characters showing yeah. up. That one was crazy. That was a good time. Um, I agree that the, the pilot for, for two was good. It also, um, dang it, I didn't think I'd like it, but I really liked Pickle Rick. And I actually liked it more the second time around. Yeah. In fact, I think that episode was just on last night and I was watching it right before bed. I love the episode. I feel like it's very clever because 
they took Rick, they put him in the situation where you've got no arms, no legs, you cannot move, <laughs> you're a pickle. Uh, and then it's juxtaposed with, you know, all of the stuff that's going on with the family and they're having to go to the therapist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rick has to go through this this disgusting problem solving of, of how he's going to build himself like an exoskeleton out of roach <laughs> and rat parts. The rat stuff is fine. I don't know. It's when he bites the head off of the roach and sticks its tongue into its brain to move its legs around that even now, even when I know it's coming, I'm just like, rip, rip. It's so nope. gross. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, 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 no. Uh, I really enjoy the stuff with um, Eye Patch Morty. Oh, yes. Those are good. Yep, yep. I look forward to to more of that happening. (laughs) And I have to say, from just like a podcaster and improvisation point of view, the uh, interdimensional cable episodes are so much fun because they're just completely, they went inside a booth, they just ad-libbed and improvised Mm -hmm. just the wildest nonsense. And I'm guessing they took whatever was the funniest and then animated it around it. And you can listen to it because, like, the editing yeah. on the tracks, like, you hear them going, uh, 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 yeah. uh, and they're, like, thinking, like, what they're going to say next. But I appreciate that they left it in because you can you can better grasp, like, oh, man, they were literally just making this up as they go along. <laughs> Which is great. Which is, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I can appreciate and- that because that's harder than it sounds. <laughs> what about the Morty Mindbenders? Mm, the one with the memories? Yeah, which one did you like out of that? My absolute, like, the only joke I, um, the one I remember the best, the one that makes me laugh the hardest, is the perfectly level surface. Okay. I don't remember much about that particular episode, I gotta be honest. That's I think fair. that was one that I only had seen once. That's I mean, I don't know if we can still be friends, but it's okay. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, How about just... that good Purge episode, though? <laughs> yeah. I've never seen the Purge, so I, I still got... It was still funny. Look, they got the messages across. One night a year, yeah. you can do yeah, whatever Yeah, I'll go you... crazy. Yeah. Lots yeah. of murder. Mm, murder high. Um, oh, yeah. Good story. Good job, me, for that verbal goodness right there. <laughs> All right. Continuing on. So, we have Rick and Morty, the comic. The comics have been around for a while. I probably should have looked up exactly how long, but I didn't because I don't care. I only care about this one because Patrick Rothfuss wrote it. So, you haven't read any of the Rick and Morty comics prior no. to this? No. They're actually real good. And the nice yep. thing is is because there's, there's infinite Ricks, in infinite dimensions like they can tell these wild stories and it doesn't matter because it's not canon yeah well i mean it is canon for a different rick yeah but not c-137 rick right which is what counts he's he's the one we care about right that's the one we're emotionally invested in i think unless we've been tricked and that hasn't <laughs> been c-137 all along oh jeez. Do you have any overall thoughts about the comic that you'd like to share before we jump into it? Well, first of all, when they announced that the comic was going to be a thing, it's just like, I, you know, I do like Rick and Morty comics. 
and I do like Dungeons and Dragons, which I had recently in the last year gotten a real great appreciation of. In fact, around this time last year, um, actually probably on Patrick Rothfuss's recommendation, I started listening to The Adventure Zone because I think they were wrapping up their balance arc this time last year. And I had previously tried to listen to it and I just didn't get into it because it was the first episode. And like you said, first episodes are always real rough around the edges. Yeah. And I I said, nah, I'm good. And finally I'm like, alright, I'm gonna give it a shot. Two or three episodes in, it really took off and I'm like, dang it, they got me. I'm hooked. <laughs> it's so good. And what had helped me stick with it was I had been invited on my friend uh, Liz and Heather's show. They do a show called Nerdy Bitches and they wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons. They wanted to learn about it and then they wanted to play an episode. So they put a little party together uh, and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll get in on that. And it turned out that the adventure that we did was a pre-written adventure that comes in like the Dungeons and Dragons 5e kit. And that was the same one that the Adventure Zone Balance Arc had started out with. So I listened ah. to it because I said, I want to see, like, I know what's coming. So I want to see what decisions they make and if they're different from what we did and how that affects the story. And then also, if I'm being 100% honest, if they get ahead of me, then I'll know what's going to happen in my <laughs> campaign so that I can inform my decisions about it, which probably makes me a bad D&D player. But it's no okay. No gaming. Yeah, they, they, they split off from the storyline, so it, it didn't and end up affecting us at all uh unfortunately <laughs> but the show is fantastic the adventure zone and dungeons and dragons which i had for years sort of shunned because there's too much going on there's so many rules there's so many dice tabletop gaming in general just seems like sensory overload to me sometimes but it helped ease me into it and now i can really appreciate it for a very good storytelling medium that it is mm -hmm. so was that the, your introduction to D D was doing that with your friends on the podcast yeah and then and then listening to to the adventure zone and now i'm like D is great i i actually i would suggest to anybody play it if you're curious about it mm. and if you're worried about D D, there's there's a lot of intro tabletop gaming rpgs you can get into yeah. Role-playing games have never been more popular than they are now. So if you're, if you're looking to get into it, like now is the best time, especially because it's a lot more inclusive than it was. Mm. Absolutely. And I think that's actually something that gets a bit of a nod in this comic book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we'll, we'll definitely talk about that when we get to it. But, you know, uh, it doesn't matter if you're a woman, you know, it doesn't matter if you uh, are a minority or whatever thing that, that you feel like sets you apart, that you feel like maybe you wouldn't fit in. I promise you, you can find a group or start your own group where you're going to have a wonderful time. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. My start was, as long as I can remember... When I was just knee-high to a grasshopper, I remember hanging out in the living room with my mom DMing her group, and there was a warrior called Feo, and just listening to them all, having a good time. And this is, this is early stuff. This is, like, the pictures of, like, his first edition book, I'm like, oh, I remember that from when I was so small. Oh. 
And, <laughs> and I remember my first game that I got to play, and this was a big deal. I was nine years old, and I created an elf based entirely off of Cutter from ElfQuest, and I called him Tam, and I was so proud. And that was in Ravenloft. And then, yeah, so I've, I've been playing since I was little, and so I was really excited for this. Almost as much for the D&D as for the... So my ranking of excitement for this webcomic... Patrick Rothfuss, D&D, Rick and Morty. Yeah. Which are yeah. all very good. Yeah. <laughs> and it hurts to have to rank them like that, but there you go. It's, uh, yeah, oh, there's there's Rick and Morty in my D&D. Oh, they got D&D in my Rick and Morty. It's delicious. I'm Officer Rick and Morty, Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you for getting that. I'm like, is that where she's going with it? I'm going to roll with that, and hopefully I'm not wrong. <laughs> and if you don't get it, tough. In the industry, we call that an inside joke. <laughs> Most of my jokes are inside jokes only with myself, and I leave them in because it's important for me. So, we start the we start the comic. First off, even just... Uh, I remember when they released the cover and seeing the beholder behind Rick and them caught into the... Oh, the word left my brain. Anyways, the Jello cube. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, I should know this. They had one... Homunculus? No. No. No, that's not it. It's they made out of acid. On a on an episode of Hello from the Magic Tavern. And they did wonderful foley work to make him sound super blubbery when he was talking. I'm gonna Google it. Jello cube D and D. Oh, gelatinous cube. There it is. There you go. That was very close. <laughs> it's a great cover. Do you have any feelings about the cover? I like it. I, uh, you know, art wise, it's. Very good. Definitely uh, captures the the essence of Rick and Morty, where Rick is just balls to the wall, enthusiastic about whatever's going on, so long as it's exciting to him. And um, <laughs> Morty is in mortal peril and <laughs> is experiencing high levels of anxiety. Yeah, uh, I I appreciate the little nods to you know the plus one engraved yeah. on the axe the giant dice you know rick has a whole bunch of rings on his fingers which i'm interested to find out what the deal with those are but it looks looks great it's very exciting very action-packed and then we open the book and we're on the bus <laughs> and there's there's people talking about there was a bloodbath and morty looks so frightened and surprised yes <laughs> do you think he realized what they were talking about, or do you think he thought they were actually fighting and competing to the death at first? You know, I'm not sure, because the look on his face definitely conveys some concern and anxiety about what's what's going on in the conversation that he's he's overhearing. You know, but Morty's gone on all these crazy adventures, and, like, these are just some regular kids on the bus, so, you know, does he think, oh, I've found some kindred spirits of people who are all always in danger of like life or limb loss um but i don't think he knows what to make of it at first i do appreciate like the stack of books on her lap one of them includes runes yeah oh man yeah 
And then when they're getting off the bus, well, yeah, when they're getting off the bus, you can see her player's handbook, and I think somebody says, like, roll the blah, 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 and DM, and I think he's starting to realize that it's a thing that they do, not necessarily like a danger thing. And then we're in the school, and we see a club board filled with, like, art shop come paint miniatures, and we need a third player, and... Back to the Future, retro yeah. movie night. Ah, <laughs> oh, good times. And then we're in the the cafeteria, and we start getting references. Oh, yes. To our friends, the, the McElroy brothers, and the Adventure Zone. You know, I should have known that we wouldn't get more than two pages in and without some sort of uh, McElroy reference, and I'm glad they included it. It's it's very, uh, very complimentary. Mm. Uh, but uh, let's see, I, I wish, I want to have Griffin McElroy's babies. <laughs> Are you very familiar with the McElroy brothers? I'm not very. I know that most of them are married and have kids, though, if not all three of them. There are three. There are three, yes. Yes! <laughs> so there's so there, there's Justin, there's Griffin, and there's Travis. And I think what a lot of people will tell you the first time they are listening to the McElroy brothers is it's so hard to tell them apart because mm-hmm. two of them have nearly identical voices and like vocal mannerisms. <laughs> and actually their their Dungeons and Dragons podcast helped me separate it a lot because like they were doing characters mm-hmm. and so finally I'm like, all right, I gotta see which one's which. So I ended up having to pull up pictures and go, Okay, all right, Taco is Justin, Travis is Magnus and, and we got, you know, the our good good Younger brother and 30 under 30 media luminary, Griffin McElroy, playing the DM. And their dad's involved in it, too, Clint. Yeah. Actually, Clint didn't get mentioned now that I think about it. Well, they are high school girls. All right, that's fair. (laughs) The McElroys have this cult of personality following. That is insane. And in fact, speaking of Dungeons and Dragons, they just released like a graphic novel of their uh of their first section of their balance campaign and it's it went on the New York Times bestseller list. I believe it. These are people who started out as podcasters. They they <laughs> totally deserve it. It's a great story. But man, it's 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 crazy. Good for them. Well, and Rothfuss absolutely loves them and he's been on their yes. show and yeah, so I'm not surprised that they popped up here and then he goes to do some research in the library and we get some more references starting with like wizards of the coast which is an obvious one and then critical role do you listen to critical role at all i don't and i don't really listen to acquisitions incorporated (laughs) dungeons and dragons fever seems to have gripped morty's high school and we see a group of kids playing in, in the library, which is insane to me because they look like they're playing very vigorously. And you'd think <laughs> the librarian would come around and, and kick them out. But maybe they're just glad that the kids are interacting. But, you know, there's there's and it's all kinds of people, too, not just the kinds that you would expect to play Dungeons and Dragons. You know, you got you got your nerdy kid with the braces, but then you got the the cute little girl with the blue lipstick and the punky mm-hmm. stuff and and uh, another girl with the green hair and the Dungeons and Dragons uh, jacket with the sleeves ripped off. 
And then this was the first time I laughed out loud in this comic was it's Morty and he's like, gamers get laid. (laughs) I laughed hard and then if my mind was Facebook, there would be a little gif of Dwight showing up and he's going, false. (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm like, what group are you playing in that y'all all just have sex afterwards? Because like... What's the waiting list for that one look like? <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> so that was great. And he, he decides, like, well, now I've got to do it. because now he has his motivation. Yeah. That's his driving force. And he goes to Hobby Hall, wink, <laughs> and walks into a new world and meets a new girl, pretty girl, also likes it. Yeah. It's a, the, what can only be described as a manic pixie dream girl. Mm. got a very like Ramona Flowers kind of vibe going on um, but she's inherently a little bit warmer in character I really like her um, her level up mushroom earrings mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice subtle reference yeah the whole store is very fun to look at and you can kind of pick out all of the uh, generic knockoff right right the uh, similar to but legally different from the original properties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's looking around. He gets into a conversation with the girl. Um, hey, where can I find the D&D stuff? She goes, oh, you know, check out the, the Star Hammer, which I feel like is probably a, a knockoff of Warhammer and their uh, Space Marine spinoff one, mm-hmm. of which the name escapes me at the moment. Now, I never played Warhammer but I'm very well aware of it because my brother-in-law and his family, they all play it. And they went through the whole, like, painting the figurines. And uh, I helped them make some, like, landscape uh, stuff for it, for their table and everything. So it was funny to me. And this was the time that I probably laughed out loud the first time reading this comic book. But right under... Of the Warhammer stuff. Is your army big enough? <laughs> Are you sure? And then taped under it, it's not. Trust us. Yeah. <laughs> because anybody who has dumped enough money into that bottomless pit knows yeah. that, like, once you get into it, it's like drugs. You can't afford <laughs> drugs because you're spending all your money on miniature figurines. Yeah. Want to keep your kids off drugs? Get them into Warhammer. Mm-hmm. I've heard that same line from Magic Cards, too. Yeah. Magic, Pokemon, or Warhammer. One of them's going to suck up all of their money, and then you don't have to worry about their (laughs) extracurricular activities. So then he's looking at the books, too, and he's like, first edition, that's where you begin, right? And those of us who've played it a fair amount are like, oh, honey. Yeah. (sighs) Oh, that's so cute. That's cute. The naivete. And, you know, uh, of course, the the girl follows up because she's providing excellent customer service and (laughs) finding everything. And and Morty's just smitten like a kitten. And she compliments his choice in what edition of the game book that he has selected. And that just makes him double down on going, oh, yeah, this is definitely (laughs) the one I want, which, oh, he's so wrong in so many ways. Well, also, it makes me laugh because, like, Hobby Hall, I'm assuming, is supposed to be, like, Hobby Lobby. And just, or even if it was just, like, your regular old bookstore, what what's the chance of them having, like, just a big old stack of first edition books? Right. Unless, <laughs> I, I, I mean, unless 
it did say that there were used books, which is the only thing. Yeah, yeah used books half off, uh, which is the only way that I could consider like why they would still have first editions even floating around unless you were just a collector and or or a masochist they're flirting a little bit and she says they oh actually i thought this was really smooth of him she's like oh what kind of character and he's like why don't you guess (laughs) what do you think i play that's actually pretty smooth if you don't know what you're talking about and so she says he's a rogue she she guesses that he'd be a rogue and he's like yeah i've got a little bit of rogue in me and she invites him to play and now he's got double motivation yes which it's funny and i don't know if you picked up on this but earlier in the comic when when they mentioned oh jason only plays so he can get laid and she says you know jason's out of town this week and Morty is stepping right into the role of the guy who joined the Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> group to try and get laid. <sighs> and it's probably with the same girl. See, that's why you gotta read carefully, Roth fans, so you can pick up on those little things. Everything he does has meaning. Every word is important, even when it's Rick and Morty. So he's he's trying to learn how to play Dungeons and Dragons by looking at all this first edition stuff. <laughs> and it's as in- incomprehensible as you can imagine. <laughs> Absolutely. And so he decides he's going to go and ask Grandpa Rick for some help. He's outside in the driveway, pacing around, practicing his conversation, when the doors open, and Rick's like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing, burps? Slaughter. Yeah. And then he's panicking, and I don't want to spoil all the jokes, but when he starts talking about, like, you want to play D&D? Do you have dice? Have you already bought dice? Are you holding? That also made me laugh really hard. That was a great joke. Yeah. And, and, and poor Morty, who for some reason went outside with the dice clutched in his hand <laughs> or in his pocket, I guess. Because the next thing you know, he opens up his hand and there's his dice and he... He is so disappointed because he thinks his grandpa's just about to just rag on him as usual. Uh, but that's not the reaction that he gets. Yeah, surprise, surprise. Like, Rick is, he's like, Morty, my boy. You know, I take it all, I don't take it all back. But he's hes actually really excited. And he's like, I'm OG. I love this game. This is great. We're, we finally got something that we can bond over. <laughs> yeah. And... We can go on some real <laughs> adventures. I do like that he pulls the box down uh, that you always see in the garage that says time travel stuff. And behind it is another box that says D&D yeah. stuff. And he pulls out his player's handbook and a crown royal <laughs> bag. Which is so classic. That was my favorite joke. My favorite visual gag is definitely the crown royal bag. I just started cackling. Is that what it was? Cackling. Yes. Because my husband has a crown royal bag. In this, I can see a crown royal bag full of dice right now from where I'm sitting. Who I don't know who this belongs to. I don't know. Hear that, listeners? Those are dice. And that's a, so many dice. Just oh, it's such a classic thing, and it's such a tiny. Yeah. It's a small detail tiny that is hilarious. Vitally important. Hilarious. Yes, so good. 
And so they're they're rolling up a character and they're really excited. And he's like, "What? Well, real quick, what did you think about his his tirade against birds? Oh. Because that left me in stitches. <laughs> that was pretty great. I think I think it it might be a little bit also of a joke to Quoth, but also just to get. And I think, oh. I think Fiari might be a bard too. So it, I think so. It's a good little joke. I like. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, and then they're talking about it's like you can just re-roll it. Everybody does it. And I'm like, it's true. It's absolutely true, especially when you're re-rolling a character. And then uh his his gaming group shows up and it's a bunch of other old men. And yeah. What did you think of these guys? Well, of course, the very first thing I noticed, and I'm sure you did too, was the dungeon master looked <laughs> suspiciously exactly <laughs> like George yeah. R. R. Martin. 100 He's got the same hat. Yeah, I caught that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the suspenders, the beard, everything. <laughs> it was down to the last detail. I'm like, okay, all right, I see what you did there. <laughs> It made me wonder if the other two are authors that I just don't recognize. Did you, did you catch any hints on who those guys might be? Or are they just NPCs? Yeah, uh, the other the other two, I don't I don't know. They didn't jump out at me. I wanted them to be someone, but I couldn't figure anything out. So I think they're just yeah. I also I loved. The passage of time is like 147 minutes later, 212 minutes later, yeah. dawn. <laughs> because that's yes. what it's like. It takes a long time. And yeah. these guys are high level and they're doing cool stuff. And they made him start with a first level character who just, who, who dies a whole bunch. So Morty ends up having to re-roll his character and fill out a new character sheet several times. And by the end of it, by the time everybody leaves and they're done with the game, Morty is so upset with, like, how much this game <laughs> sucks. And he is voicing that displeasure to Rick. Well, and I like it too when he's like, I'll just figure them out from you food videos. Plus they've got props and costumes and stuff. And I'm like, oh, like Acquisitions Incorporated and Critical Role and others. Exactly. But then Rick is just joshing him. He starts laughing. He's like, congratulations. You passed the test. I cannot do a good Rick, but. <laughs> That's okay. He's like, you're right. You did it, Morty. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> He's like, all right, now now we can actually play. We can go on to Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. They fixed it perfectly with the second edition. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he's like, all right, I'm tired of graphs. Let's go do this. And he's like, go eat a sandwich. You know, carbo load. We're going to go on this. And he pulls out his portal gun. And they go to... Blips and chips. Blips and chips! Which was good. I, I do really enjoy that they incorporated, like, the, the Roy game from Blips Same. and Chips into into this and how, how Rick hacks into the game and, and, and loads up, you know, I'm going to assume his own, his own <laughs> coded version of uh, a Dungeons and Dragons virtual reality experience. 
And so they end up in like a white matrix space and they have to make themselves some uh, some Baideus characters and they pop up to level five and uh, they get they load into this virtual reality place and uh, they get sent on an adventure, go up the hill and fight the things. And it's lots of puns, too. So (laughs) they have to go up Bone Hill and (laughs) Morty's real excited about that. (laughs) He's like, speaking of Bone Hill, are there any girls in this world? Ah, oh, jeez, Rick. Uh, I don't know if I can do a better Morty than I can a Rick either. But like, ah, I... <laughs> jeez. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know about that. Oh, Are there any girls in this? <laughs> <laughs> Rick scoffs and is like, "This is classic D and D, Morty. No, there will be next issue." <laughs> but <laughs> it's a little foreshadowing. Yeah, they keep punning at well. Morty keeps punning, and Rick is like, like, don't do it. You gotta stop it. You can't keep punning. And they get attacked by a bunch of ghouls. Yeah. The next thing you know, the, the hill that they're walking on erupts with zombies, like fire ants. And uh, they're crawling all over the place. And, and this is Morty's first time to um, uh, roll for attack. <laughs> This part was extra special to me because Rick's like, this is what happens when you pun. And I've been with mass, like, GMs who do that. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're too punny, they'll throw something in to punish you. <laughs> so Morty's freaking out. He's like, what do I do? How do I roll the dice? And Rick's having a great time. He's just killing stuff. And he's, Morty's so excited. He's like, I'm a badass. And stabs Rick. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, you could almost hear just, like, the splort <laughs> sound. Because, you know, Morty's very scared at first, but then he, he gets the hang of it. He's he's slashing and slicing and dicing and then just splurt. And then, oh, no, Rick has been run uh, through. You rolled a one. You rolled a one, Morty, and you hurt your friend. <laughs> yeah. That, that that was a critical fail. On your part, Morty, towards your grandpa, and Morty's taking it very hard as as Rick is laying there dying in his arms, like begging him, like, you gotta you gotta lay hands on me, which, you know, admittedly, my my first character was a paladin. <laughs> and so I fortunately I did use lay on hands puns <laughs> a lot in my first campaign. And I'm sure people were sick of it. There's another great joke. It's like, oh, you have to pray, Morty. You have to pray. And he's like, to who? He's like, to whom? Because he can't not correct Morty. He's like, oh, mighty, to whom? <laughs> I thought that was a good joke. Yeah. And so Rick's lying there with his uh, tongue hanging out. And then we go back to Blitz and Chit. Where uh, it looks like the uh, the maintenance crew and, and the managers have discovered that uh, Rick and Morty have a... Uh, you know, plug themselves into the game in a way that the game's not supposed to be played, and they decide, well, screw it, we're just gonna unplug them. And so it pans out, and somebody's calling the janitor to mop them up, and they're lying there steaming, seemingly dead. To be continued. (laughs) 
did you happen to read the interview at the end of the comic? I'm not sure if it was included in yours or not, but I it's... did. Okay, would you like to talk about it? Sure. The part that sticks out to me is the very last bit, where it's yes. like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, finally, is there anything you can reveal to fans about what to expect when these worlds collide? Can you guarantee their safety during this campaign? And Patrick Rothfuss just says. I am going to break your heart. Yeah, which is what he's been telling us about the King Killer Chronicles for about 10 years now. And I feel like people aren't taking him seriously. <laughs> so, you know, this is his chance to show everybody who doesn't believe him. <laughs> I am looking forward to the next issue and the overall story arc of this comic book series. I feel like it's going to be real good. Very strong uh, right out the gate. Really enjoyed it. Did you, does your Kindle version have the issue two cover? Uh, good question. It's got, there's a little, there's a little picture of it. Okay, so it's got Beth and Morty's sister. I'm having that problem too right now. <laughs> Summer. It's got Beth and Summer. Go. And uh, Summer's. Is taking selfies as always, and, and Beth is is uh, really getting into the game, it looks like. <laughs> so, based on our hint about that's the next issue and this cover, what do you think will happen next issue? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, just looking at the cover, I'm thinking that somehow Summer and Beth get involved in this in these shenanigans. Yeah. So do you think that they somehow plug themselves into Roy's at Blitz and Chips? Or do you think, like, there's one at home? Or That's a good question. You know, every time you try and, and think what's going to happen next in Rick and Morty, you're never right. <laughs> so I, I'm wondering if the pulling the plug on on the Roy somehow uploaded them into a different dimension and okay. so she finds like a portal gun maybe like a backup portal gun and mm -hmm. uses that to to try and find her brother and her grandpa but i'm wondering is 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 the motivation to find rick and morty going to be more from summer's side or is it going to come from more of beth you know cuz summer doesn't really look all that concerned and, and, and Beth looks like she's on the warpath. <laughs> well, I, oh, yeah, Beth would probably definitely want to go rescue her, her father and her son. Here's my theory. 100%. Okay. This is what I'm putting down on paper. He put chips in their brains and when they fall asleep, they get uploaded into this place to rescue them. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to just wait until the next issue comes out and see if you're right. You can, before I sign out, why don't you tell us about your show, Mandy? Oh, sure. Well, you can find Cast Request on, on any place that you download podcasts. Uh, we are on Podcatcher. We are on Podchaser. We are on SoundCloud. That's where we host. Don't at me. I know SoundCloud has a bad rep. They've worked fine for me. I'm on Apple Podcasts, and um, if you haven't, you can leave a review on there. Say something nice about the show, but Cast Request has been covering uh, the Kingkiller Chronicles 
off and on for about three years now. We're roughly halfway through The Wise Man's Fear. Uh, we've been doing a book club version, so we'll take a section of chapters and uh, go through them, what happens in them. We do some readings. There's jokes. There's impromptu parody songs. There's so many pop culture references. You're going to want to vomit, but it's a it's a lot of fun it's definitely been a a labor of love and if i said we're kind of milking it until the movies come out i wouldn't be 100 percent dishonest about that <laughs> but yeah uh, I, I love the king killer chronicle community I, I i love that other other shows like margaret's have, have popped up here in the last couple of years because it was it was lonely being the only kid on the block for a while and that's why i love you know like uh, promoting it and, and just saying hey you know if you like mine you're probably gonna like theirs too because it's like they say rising tide and all the boats are going up you know what mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. 10 out of 10 would recommend cast a quest Oh, thank you. Yeah. And yeah, like I said earlier, you can uh, you can even hear your your merry old host on on episode 100. And where can people if people want to find you on the social medias? Ah, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, if you'd like to find me on social media, I'm at castrequest, all one word on Twitter. You can email me, castrequest at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, facebook.com backslash castrequest. And, oh, I think that's about it. I have an Instagram, but I never post to it. Oh, castrequest.com. I'm getting used to saying that again because we just re-released the website, so. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Castrequest.com, there's lots of fun stuff up there. There's show clips and there's videos from, like, panels that we've done and all kinds of fun stuff. If you want to get a hold of me, you can find me wherever you're listening to this podcast on Facebook, uh, facebook.com backslash road to Tinuay. You can email me road to Tinuay at gmail.com. That's road the number two Tinuay at gmail.com. And on Twitter at road to Tinuay, road the number two Tinuay. And please let me know about Rick and Morty. Let me know about comics. Let me know about what else you want to hear. Just let me know. I want to hear from you, and I'll see you on the road. Keep on questing. Do you listen to Critical Role at all? I don't, and I don't really listen to Acquisitions Incorporated. (laughs) Which is terrible. Like, I'm aware of them. I know they have huge followings. I think Patrick plays on Acquisition Incorporated from time to time where he plays his character, Viari. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that I really know, because I sat and watched a a short clip of them playing one time at PAX or something. I don't remember exactly what. But, you know, they all come out. They all cosplay as their characters. And, And this tickles me forever it will never not be funny but patrick sat down at the table the dm is going through his spiel setting up what the scene is and then you just see this cloud of the stickiest vape float and engulf the table (laughs) and they pan over to patrick rothfuss who's wearing this huge like wizard's hood so you can't see his face very haliac style and he has got the most obnoxious vape pen that i think he probably only purchased for this stunt that he pulled and it was hilarious because they're like 
are you seriously vaping right now? <laughs> You've got to watch the video if you haven't seen it. It's delightful. <laughs>